Welcome to the First Contact Headache and Primary Care Podcast, where we break down topics in headache medicine for healthcare professionals seeing patients with headache disorders. This is a special episode from our Migraine and Women's Health mini-series. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, I'm Dr. Nina Riggins. I am Associate Clinical Professor of Neurology at University of California, San Francisco. I am Headache Specialist, and I would love to welcome you to special Women's Health episode of the First Contact, Headache in Primary Care series. We have really important topic to discuss today. That is helping patients manage their migraine while pregnant. And I'm excited to introduce Dr. Susan Hutchinson, a family physician and headache specialist, who is also director of Orange County Migraine and Headache Center in Irvine, California. And Dr. Catherine Stika, obstetrician and gynecologist from Northwestern University in Chicago. She is also reproductive clinical pharmacologist with us here today. Are you two feeling ready to jump into today's topic? <laughs> yes, I am, Dr. Riggins, and it's just an absolute pleasure to be with you and Dr. Stitka to talk about this very important topic. And I, too, am looking forward to discussing um, a topic um, that is very near and dear to me uh, and about which I, I, I see patients with migraines in pregnancy all of the time. Could you please tell us your thoughts about uh, differences in medication categories now and in the past? Um, it's amazing how different can be opinions coming from different groups about positive and negative effects on practice before we have these categories a, B, C, and now we don't. What do you think about it, Dr. Stika? Well, I'm personally very thrilled that we've uh, finally abandoned that archaic, arbitrary category systems, numerical numbers, I mean, numer uh, me, letters that we used to use to uh, describe these medications. <laughs> Um, I actually personally was involved with many of the meetings at the level of the FDA um, as we went through that process of, of finally getting rid of them. They were problematic for a, a number of reasons. First off, they focused just on fetal safety and did not include um, issues of maternal safety or changes in maternal physiology and, and, and uh, dosing recommendations unique for pregnancy. But they also were very confusing. They made people think that they're actually that A was safer than B, that safer than C. Um, when in fact, sometimes drugs got assigned to these groups, not because of their inherent safety, but because of availability of research evidence um, or, or any kinds of studies in humans. Um, and and they, they also, um, for example, category X contains such drugs as both Accutane, which is truly problematic and should not be used in anybody who can even be possibly getting pregnant, as well as drugs such as birth control pills, which, you know, is only in category X because once you're pregnant, you don't need contraception anymore. 
when and it made people think that taking birth control pills was dangerous when when you were pregnant when in fact it absolutely was not it just, you just didn't need it um so the new categories the new labeling uh was finally approved in 2014 and it went into effect in 2015 and all new drugs now have to have the uh, new pregnancy labeling and older drugs are gradually being phased in, but it, it, pre it gives people much more concrete information about true actual risks. It encourages industry to maintain pregnancy registries so that problems can be identified. Um, and, it, and, it's a real, and it speaks to a woman across her, her reproductive life from when she's using both contraception to attempting pregnancy, to pregnancy itself, as well as uh, a separate category for labor and delivery and lactation. So it's so much more helpful than those old stupid categories. This is extremely helpful in explanation. And um, it's with that, I would love to hear from Dr. Hutchinson about acute medications, which could be a reasonable option to take at home for person living with migraine and now during pregnancy. Please, Dr. Hutchinson. Uh, Dr. Riggins, yes, I'll be happy to. And Dr. Sticka, you feel very strongly about that. I know I've discussed that with you before. And I know you're very happy those category ratings are gone, but for some of us, it's been a little bit challenging because we kind of hid behind those category ratings when we were making decisions and we don't have that anymore. So I think each woman has to be treated individually, Dr. Ridgens. And first of all, I think we want to emphasize the benefit of non-pharmacological treatment in women that are pregnant. I'll give you some examples. Uh, even without evidence of, I had women tell me that acupuncture saved them during pregnancy. Other women may choose to adequately hydrate. Another interesting thing I've noticed is some women give up caffeine during pregnancy, but when they get a headache, they can have a small amount of caffeine and that can be helpful. But in terms of medication, acetaminophen, also known as Tylenol, I think is a very reasonable option. Of course, some women are going to laugh at that and say that is not strong enough. I also think some of the anti-medics, like in particular, metoclopramide, I think that can be useful. Diphenhydramine can be useful. And as far as triptans, if a woman, and this is my own personal uh, approach, if a woman in my practice had success with a particular triptan prior to pregnancy, I'm okay with her using that sparingly during pregnancy. Of course, what we hope Dr. Riggins and Dr. Stigica is that for many women with migraine, when they get pregnant, not all of them, but for many of their migraines improve during pregnancy. So I love to see a woman who's pregnant and all of a sudden see that she's not needing as much acute medication. And the other thing just to mention is some women may benefit from some of the non-invasive neuromodulator devices because certainly they do not get any systemic absorption. So that may also be an option, Dr. Rickens, for some of our women that are pregnant and struggling with migraine. Would you ever uh, do any procedures? Dr. Rickens, that's a great question. Yes, during pregnancy, I think it's quite safe to do occipital nerve blocks. You could do them with lidocaine or bupivacaine. I would not add a steroid to it. Uh, certainly you could do, uh, in some cases, again, you have to look at the benefit versus the risk. I have been in some women using onobotulinum toxin A. We carefully discuss the, the potential benefit. And these are women that I'm really struggling to manage. 
Uh, there's no evidence that the onbotulinum toxin A could get to the fetus. Again, most of the, uh, the activity is locally where the onbotulinum toxin A is injected. I would like to add one other additional comment in terms of medications in pregnancy, that because as, as Dr. Hutchinson said, migraines tend to get better for many women, um, at least by the second and third trimester, that, we, that some of the medications that she may have been using before pregnancy to help prevent migraines, you know, medications that she takes daily, some of them are really contraindicated in pregnancy. So medications such as uh, valproic acid or topiramate, but especially valproic acid, um, if there's any way a woman can get off of that um, before she conceives, it's really important in terms of preventing congenital abnormalities in the fetus. This is extremely useful information on treatment of patients living with migraine during pregnancy at home. Um, and now I want to turn to Dr. Stika and see what would Dr. Stika you recommend for patient whose migraine attack is intractable and they at home, would you recommend them to come in? Uh, what resources do you use? Um, please, uh, please tell us. I actually work in a unit um, in the hospital called the OB triage unit. And in some facilities, they refer to it as the um, OBED or OB emergency room. And this is a space in the hospital where we only take care of pregnant women um, and much like, and rather than sending them to the emergency room where, where people are not as familiar with, uh, with pregnant patients and obstetrical problems, uh, you can send the patient with a migraine, with an intractable migraine to the um, obstetrical triage unit. And here we see people, uh, I mean, I see on a daily basis, almost every single day, a woman with, with a, uh, a headache that just won't go away. And there's a number of things that I think are important. First, to, it's critically important to, to get her history to identify um, whether this is like her, her typical migraine or how, different, how it differs from what she, what she usually has. Because depending upon the level of atypicality, and we'll be getting to some of this a little bit later about when you get concerned about additional workup, um, you know, most, of, most migraines in pregnancy are not that different from the migraines women have had in the past. It's the, the medications she's using at home just aren't working. So the most important thing is to IV hydrate these women, whether it's because of the fact that they've been throwing up and they're, they're coming in dehydrated, or whether it's simply because I, uh, hydration is so critical to getting over their headache or, or improving their headache. I, I typically get a urinalysis to see how, how dry these women are, looking at the, spe the specific gravity. And then I, I, I literally dump in fluids um, to uh, help improve the their hydration state. If somebody's been using acetaminophen and caffeine uh, at home and they've taken, uh, they've used it repetitively, you know, starting with acetaminophen and caffeine really isn't usually going to uh, uh, interrupt this headache. But if somebody hasn't tried it, I usually then start with um, with a um, thousand uh, milligrams of acetaminophen and uh, and oral caffeine. Uh, you can get, there's a tablet that's literally on, over the counter. It's um, 
that's a combination of 500 of acetaminophen and 65 of caffeine, and I give the woman two of those tablets orally. I try to avoid using butalbital um, in great part because studies have shown that butalbital in combination with those drugs really doesn't add much to the analgesic effect, as well as a barbiturate. It has a potential, the low potential of addiction, both to the mom as well as withdrawal in the fetus. Many people though, acetaminophen and caffeine just isn't going to break their headache. And instead I then use metoclopramide and, and diphenhydramine. Uh, IV. And so it would be 10 milligrams of, of metoclopramide and 25 milligrams of diphenhydramine. And for many women that, that both puts them to sleep and they desperately need to sleep off this headache. And, and for many women, it improves them. On occasion, it gets better, but not completely gone. And at that point, I might add some acetaminophen and caffeine. Or for women in the second trimester, it's absolutely safe to use a one-time dose of an NSAID, such as ibuprofen, 600 milligrams. For people for whom the, the metoclopramide and diphenhydramine doesn't work, I oftentimes then go to IV magnesium sulfate, which would be one to two grams IV over anywhere between 10 to 20 minutes, depending upon what your pharmacy and hospital recommends. You can also use prednisone orally to prevent relapse. Um, my hospital, um, unlike um, Dr. Hutchinson's, isn't as big a fan of using triptans, uh, so I don't have as much experience with that. But certainly in the first trimester, uh, exposure to triptans has been a number of very large studies um, have shown that it is not associated with birth defects, but its use in the second and third trimester um, has, not, has not been as well studied. Um, I do not use narcotics. The efficacy of narcotics has not been shown to be, to be any better than metoclopramide, diphenhydramine. And in fact, the one randomized controlled study in pregnancy has shown that metoclopramide and diphenhydramine IV is actually significantly better than use of, an, of a narcotic. Um, so narcotics are not part of my armamentarium when I'm treating a, a headache and OB triage. This is excellent hydration and acetaminophen and avoiding opioids. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank everyone in the audience for um, their attention. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode. For the second half of our discussion on helping patients manage their migraine while pregnant, we are looking forward to see you next time. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Listeners can find additional information and doctor-verified resources about migraine treatment and management on the First Contact Headache and Primary Care website. Visit the site at americanheadachesociety.org slash primarycare. This podcast is brought to you by the American Headache Society and made possible by Eli Lilly.